0: That's indeed.com slash Blue Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I got something to talk to you about, and that's mybookie.ag. If you're looking for a new book to bet your sports, they bet politics, they bet entertainment. You can bet on The Bachelor. You can bet all kinds of stuff. They have sp- obviously sports. And, uh, you know, with the NFL weekend coming up, uh, championship weekend, you can do spreads, prop bets, the worst. So they already have um, MLB, uh, future bets coming up, all kinds of great stuff over there. And when you use promo code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D, at your first deposit, you get a 50% first deposit bonus. So if you bet a, if you uh, deposit $100, you get a $50 bonus on top of that. So go check it out, mybookie.ag, promo code BENCHED, 50% deposit bonus bonus. Also, if you like playing daily fantasy sports, and you probably do if you're listening to Bench with Bubba, go check out Draft. Draft.com. Draft in your app store. It is a great way to play fantasy sports. They started out with the snake-style drafts, the way we like them. They have auction-style drafts, and they are majoring in the best ball world. They already have early 2019 NFL best balls going down. They have NBA best balls. They will definitely have MLB best ball. A ton to like there. And use promo code SD Sports. SD as in dog sports at checkout and you'll get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. It can be any type of format, best ball, auction, snake draft, you name it, they got it. They have MLB, NFL, NHL, NBA, and PGA it is a phenomenal way to play fantasy sports. So if you're new to Draft, Draft.com, Draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports at checkout for a free $3 entry. Last but not least... If you can give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. It'd help us move up the rankings and help us get to more and more ears and be helpful because if you're finding it helpful, I want to make sure it's helpful for others. So if you could please take a couple minutes out of your day to give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really, really appreciate it. Now tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 138 with Joe Pisapia of the Fantasy Black Books talking fantasy baseball first base position. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 138. I'm going to get in some fantasy baseball first base position preview, talk some transactions, and talk to one of our good friends. You can find him on All In Sports. You can find him on The Black Book on Fantrax. You can go get The Black Book. And he's on Twitter at ps 17 Joe, how we doing, man? I'm good, Bubba. It's good to be back. It's baseball time, baby. Last we talked, I think, it was NFL. I'm
2: I'm pretty sure. But uh, it's time to prep again. That's what we do. Winter is coming. Well, winter is here. What the hell am I saying? I got storms in Jersey. I got all kinds of crap coming this weekend. But I got food. I got football this weekend.
1: All is good. So, All right. Well, you already got me down a different tangent now. So winter is coming. Did you see that little preview they gave out? I did. There,
2: I, did. I saw the teaser. I did. I did see the teaser. And there was a question, too. Where's Bran?
1: You know? Ooh. Well, like there's the whole theory, Bran could be the White Walker. So is he coming to join the family? Yeah, that's all. You know, I'm, I don't know if I'm buying that whole thing. I, I don't know. Are you buying that? I think that's a little far fetched. I think it's far fetched. I think they could be on the same wavelength, if that makes sense, the way they both kind of can see things in the future or whatever. But there's uh, a connection there. I, the, yes. the
2: fan theory that I give credence to is the whole Serio Pharrell is the faceless man, or the Lord, okay. the Jack in the uh, heart, whatever the hell his name is. That that one because you never see you know, think about Game of Thrones, right? When do you ever not see someone die? Yes, right? The exactly. only guy that doesn't die that you think is dead, but is is the hound who comes yeah. back and he's alive, and then and then Serial Pharrell, he was like he's like, get out of here, everything, you know, I'll take care of this, go run. And then we don't see him die. Why? We love seeing everyone die. It's like the MO of the show. So I think something's up there. We'll find out.
1: I think you are on to something there, my friend, but uh yeah, I could talk that all day long but uh, yeah that little preview definitely got me lightheaded so it, it was it was very very nice <laughs> um before we dig into some recent news and everything pump the black book let everybody know what's going on what season you're in now it's always number one on amazon all that good uh, stuff
2: oh it is good stuff uh yeah gosh this is 13 13 between baseball and football 13 editions um Year nine of baseball, I believe. Yeah, I think it's. I'm starting to lose track myself, but uh, it's <laughs> that's uh, a good I'm, thing. That's a good it thing. Is a good, it is a good thing. And <laughs> and the people, we're the people's book, man. We're we're not a major entity. We don't have any backing from any major corporate, you know, fantasy nonsense. We're here to help people win, not try to look cute. Oh, even though we are, we're very handsome. That's for sure. Uh, but it's got the, all the uh, starting pitcher profiles by Paul Sporer. It's got contributions by Tim Heaney, the rating Tout Wars champion, Jake Seeley, the reigning Labor champion. It's got Nate Dawkins from the Nasty Cast and Fantrax. Uh, it's got Eric Cross's 100 prospect profile. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking about profiles for 100 prospects in there. So if you're a Dynasty League owner, it's great. And it's got relative position value and everything else in between by me. Uh, yeah, number one again uh, in fantasy sports. We're pushing. Uh, we're in the top 10 in baseball books overall on Amazon, too. And it's great. I mean, every year it's, it's gotten bigger and it's made a really big jump the last couple of years. And it's because people have success with it because if you give somebody something unique and something that's applicable and adaptable to all the leagues and formats they play, that it's actual strategy and more than just informed opinion, but an actual system that's easy to grasp. It's amazing. It's amazing the kind of success people have had with it. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud and I appreciate you letting me hoard it right here.
1: Yeah, no hoard all hoard all. (laughs) um, It's awesome because it is great. You, like you said, it's a unique thing because, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, the first base position we're going to go over a lot of things and give our twists on it but you can get that kind of thing almost anywhere like you get rankings everywhere you get you know right. all, the, all the preview magazines for the most part they're all gonna have a little niche but something's uh, gonna be similar a lot of it your well, thing you is know my problem is different. rankings are useless like I,
2: that's yeah. that's it's like okay well that's nice but what about in this format and that format and how much better is this guy than that guy and that's what relative position value does it compares players to each other so you get an idea of not just tiers but where the positive players are and where the negative players are too, because that's equally important to know is how deep is a position really? And it's it's more than just tiers, it's tiers that are quantified with real value. And you go, okay, that makes sense. And I better get a second baseman by here because if I don't, well then I'm kind of in the negative. And if I don't, then maybe I pivot this way. And it and it really teaches you not only how to draft, but also how to manage and make trades and do everything else because I also think that's something people neglect. I mean, there's a chapter in there about being the commissioner, for God's sakes, and and good best practices, and how hard and what a struggle that is. I'm sure you've been commissioner of some league at some point. It's so much fun. Yeah, but but you're also the complaint desk. Yep. (laughs) You know, that's a hard thing, man.
1: Yeah, no, it's awesome. So, everybody, (laughs) go check out the Black Book. That's why one reason... When we talk positions on my podcast, I don't flat out say give me your rankings. We're not going to rank them. We're just – it's basically here's a list of guys we're going to use as a sounding board to talk about the position because, like you said, there's so many different ways to twist uh, things based on your opinions, based on what you look at, other people's, whatever. But uh, you have to get an informed decision on your own, kind of what you're saying, and the black book helps get you that direction. So definitely go check that out, everybody. Um, let's talk some recent news here. It hasn't been the uh, blockbuster moves we saw a little bit in like December, but DJ LeMay, goes to the Yankees. And this is a kind of puzzling move for some, but not for others. From a fantasy aspect, what do you think of DJ going to the Yankees? Uh,
2: I don't think much of him. Uh, Those numbers outside of Coors are not good. Uh, The OPS is abysmal outside of Coors Field. and, And look, we've seen some players leave Coors. I mean, Corey Dickerson left Coors and had some mixed success at times. Uh, but overall, I mean, when you look at a player like LeMahieu, I think that's that's the big red flag. And to me, this was an odd signing because it's like, all right, well, how is that going to fit? So Torres plays shortstop until Didi comes back, and then what happens? Does he get squeezed? Is this a precursor to another move coming? So I feel like I want to give this move by the Yankees an incomplete right now because I'm not sure how it all shakes out. Is Andahar going? Uh, is Didi going? Who's somebody, Somebody's got to be off the island. I don't think much of the Troy Tulowitzki signing either, but – Um, In terms of LeMahieu, he is not a guy that gets me up
1: in the morning and excited about owning on my roster now that he's out of Colorado. Yeah, and I I agree with you there because LeMahieu, it's A, out of Colorado really does ruin a lot of things, you know. But – there's so many moving parts there in New York, like you're saying, where it makes it really tricky to see where he's going to fit. They're saying he can play second, short, and third. Okay, that's all fine and dandy. When Didi gets back, he's not going to play over Didi, like you said. So that's half a season or whatever. Second base, you still have glibertorius playing in the middle of the infield. You have Andahar at third, like you said. They, they don't like his defense, but he can't DH because of the slew of other players they have. So it really kind of makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. and. It's like depends on where you look on the Twitter sphere and everywhere. Some people yeah. love some people love all these moves with like the Mets and other teams just loading up talent. I'm not as big a fan of getting a bunch of starting talent because then you just you can't. Keep, I like guys getting in grooves when they play baseball. And baseball is a game of feel and it's so, all well, about feel, but a lot of repetitive nature. Oh no, I, I think
2: it is. I, yeah. I, I think baseball baseball is as much a game of talent sometimes as it about confidence and feel. And yeah. Yeah, I mean that's Joey Votto.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, <and> that, <laughs> that's know? why – because uh, yeah, you my know. Head. I play ball forever, and and an argument I always have with people, like, yeah, with guy, guys that say that a kid coming out of the minors can't hit a left-handed pitcher, he's left-handed. I call it absolute bullshit because you're not letting them hit against left-handed hitters, pitchers. Like, how's he going to learn if you don't put him in the batter's box? Exactly. <laughs>
2: and, you know, the specialization in sports in general drives me crazy, but this is also a thing too. And and you know, I mean, maybe I'm a little different, but I always like. I'll tell a little story. You ready for story time? So I'm that, ready. last year at Tout Wars, we had it at the – um, it was at the Staten Island Yankees ballpark. They actually did a, a fun little thing there. So we actually – in the clubhouse, we drafted in the clubhouse. And they let us go take BP out there. Uh, They had a little BP, you know, set up downstairs in the basement area. So we got to get in the cage and stuff and hit – and it was it's fun because i mean I, I you know i'm getting old now but i can still hit i can still swing it and uh i was going to say i'm i'm very pleased with my performance i will tell you that but it was very funny to watch a lot of these quote unquote experts and analysts who um let's just say struggled <laughs> struggled so i mean there's nothing wrong with analysis there's nothing wrong with numbers i love numbers but i also think that Baseball, especially, there's something about the eye tests and there's a lot more intangibles. The last thing I'll say about LeMahieu is this if you're somebody who happens to own multiple Yankees in that infield for some reason at the end of the draft for bench depth, taking LeMahieu is not a bad idea as an insurance
1: policy. Good call. Good call. Uh, let's go to the Dodgers. This one kind of came out of nowhere. Russell Martin gets traded to the Dodgers, gives them a kind of platoon for now with Austin Barnes back there. It's really not sexy by any means, but is there any desire for a <laughs> Russell Martin reunion on your fantasy teams?
2: <laughs> it's like a it's like that line in billy madison like jack nicholson now or
1: 1974
2: <laughs> <laughs> so true uh 74 meg ryan yes. that's my answer <laughs> it's like, no no well, yeah that's no, yeah. pretty rough it's, we, we can't we can't go there but yeah. look look. martin's had a good career he's had a lot of bounce backs too where people left him for dead so i give him credit for that i'm i will raise my hand and say i'm one of those people who <laughs> left him for dead in the past but look you know it's um I I think that we're we're in a spot here where catcher is bad. I I don't like two catcher leagues. I play in a bunch of them. I I hate it. It's I think it's a waste of time because and the reason I think it's a waste of time because it's not a challenge. It's a marginalization. You're taking a bad position. You're making it worse because every time you make me take a second one, all I'm doing is dragging down the value of the good one I already have. And if I'm spending the draft capital on two good ones, well, I'm missing out on everyday players and catchers at this point, um, in the black book, actually last year, I did a whole thing about this, uh, 10 years ago. There were, I think 17 catchers who had 400 at bats or more, uh, last uh, year, there were nine wow. and the year before that there were nine. So we're talking about, they don't even get enough at bats to qualify for batting titles. They don't even get enough at bats to really sniff productivity in the first place. So why are you making me roster somebody who's inconsequential or even worse dragging everything else down with it? So,
1: Screw two catcher formats, even though I play in them. Yeah, I, I, hate, I, I, I hate them as well. I'll be playing in the TGFBI this year. It's got the NFBC format, so I will yeah, slug, yeah. I'll slug along with it, but uh, right. not preferred by you. Him. and
2: I will slum at the bottom. We'll make yeah. Russell
1: Martin our friend. Yes, yeah, so I had Nate Dawkins on my last episode talking about catchers, and we, uh, we slummed <laughs> through that real quickly and, and moved on. But um, let's not let two catchers weigh us down. Let's go to another guy that's, you know, actually had fantasy relevance off the waiver wire last year. Not so much sure if he's going to be, you know, draft relevant. But Derek Holland goes back to the Giants, was their best pitcher, sadly, last season. Um, Any desire to give, you know, the old Dutch oven a second try? (laughs)
2: has <laughs> he has he ever been called that Did you just make that up is that your thing
1: it's a nickname that kind of goes around san francisco area
2: i've never <laughs> <heard> that. <laughs> that you, you know now that you said it now i've kind of now i'm I more want to buy in but no i i, I don't i think of Derek holland's on your roster you failed
1: somewhere already yeah, so yeah. it's uh it's sad <laughs> you know. fair fair enough one last signing um to me it's actually good for a team like the rays Fantasy-wise, there's a question Marcia. That big season, everyone credited to Babbitt and whatnot. Last year, not the greatest, but it was injured quite a bit. Avisil Garcia going to Tampa Bay gives them some right-handed power they've been looking for. Is he more fantasy-relevant to you now?
2: Uh, I, I think in the deeper league, well, in AL only, he's definitely relevant uh, if you play in that format, if you're a glutton for punishment, but the, the I think that you know with the Rays it always seems to be this weird cycle of of crazy crazy things happen there you know CJ Crone goes there and becomes something you know Logan Morrison goes there and goes, you know you go the list of Corey Dickerson all goes on and on and on and Tampa just finds a way to to use guys and somehow be productive I, I mean kiermeyer has been a guy that's had a hard time staying healthy uh you know Yandy Diaz and you know whatever you think of him uh I, I look at Austin Meadows, and I also think there's a guy I always find very underwhelming. I thought he was most, one of the most overrated prospects in baseball for years. And I just never understood the fascination with him because he never dominated on any level ever. So I just didn't get it. Um, but you know what? I, I think if he finds a way to have bats, I think that's a good one. Actually, there's another signing too, just broke. Uh, Adam Adevino just signed a three year deal with the Yankees. So they Ooh. continue to bolster that bullpen. So breaking news right here on the Thank podcast. You Mr. Maybe. Joey PF um, literally I, just came over the wire there. So that's Excited. Yeah. Three Our, years twenty seven million dollars. How do you like them apples? That's three years how many million? <laughs> 27 of them
1: <laughs> that's it wait wait only 9 mil a year for him wow
2: yeah I mean that's pretty good I think that's it's a, a guarantee well you know
1: play yeah. for the Yankees you know that's true <laughs> so. that's true but I, I remember when they signed Zach Britton um, your boy from the the great northeast as well uh, Mr. Um, CTM baseball himself Matt Modica yeah Matty I, Mo. I was chatting with Matty Mo and I said Matt they already got Chapman I wanted them to get out of Vino and I'm not a Yankees fan by any means but I wanted Ottavino as that setup man. Now that they got Britain and Ottavino to go to that bullpen, my god, just really go through five, five innings and walk away. <laughs> well,
2: they're gonna. Well,
1: that's gonna Both. be their mo anyway with that pitching stuff. That's true with anyway. CC Tanaka. Just get yeah. two, trips, two trips to the order and let's move on.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, that's what it's gonna be. And look, in in modern day baseball, especially in the playoff. You know, that's – they've it's a Way proven thing. It's going to work, right? The Kansas City Royals proved the concept, and then everybody copied it. And the Yankees, they got patanzas there, too. Let's not forget, too. So that's a, that's a hell of a bullpen to go to yeah. and turn the ball over. But a lot of five-inning starts are going to happen, so.
1: Well, here's a curveball for you. Um, <laughs> now that Ottavino signed there, we just kind of mentioned they got Britton, Ottavino, Chapman. There's a lot of teams starting to have multiple possible closers at times on their rosters. The relief pitching situation is 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 a landmine where there's only a couple dominant everyday guys and there's a bunch of these kind of mixed situations. How do you approach that come draft season? Uh
2: you know, in terms of what, like handcuffing, or in terms of like trying to like say say there's like in the, the position generally like relief.
1: Say there's a Josh Hader type where you know he's only going to get you ten to fifteen saves, or there's a I don't know. Say there's a team like the White Sox that has Herrera and oh, oh like, you know i'll tell you split. what
2: if, if you're putting that to me you know i'd rather take the guy like um <clears throat> like hater who's going to give me especially in roto massive strikeout numbers and all that stuff and if saves come great whatever you know because i mean there's no guarantee he won't just get you 10 saves who know i mean they, you know the, anything's possible evil could suck again you know um but Looking at that, you know, I'd rather take the guy who's going to give me strikeouts, whip, and ERA, and he gives me saves too, great, than a guy who's going to blow up everything else for the sake of the one category. And that's and that's why I'm more of a points guy than a roto guy, just typically speaking, because if you weigh everything properly with different point values, then you have a better representation of what's really important to the game. And, you know, that's that's why, you know, I can can we all agree that the home run is more important than the stolen base? Of course it is, because it scores a run. Uh, you know, so the fact that 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 is a standalone category has always driven me crazy. I think why why is that the, why is that worth as much as as a home run is? That's dumb, <laughs> you know. But, but there's me being logical and pointing that out, and people don't yeah, like that.
1: We can't have logical. And, 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 <laughs> are you talking about Joe? It's not a lot.
2: No, no, and the same thing is with saves, right? So yeah, I agree. We're going to chase saves. It's like chasing D Gordon for the sake of the fact he's going to. Crush your RBIs, He's going to crush your batting average or OBP, and he's going to, you know, uh, crush home, you know, you in home runs. So he's going to be negative in all those categories just to get a, a well above and be great at something. And I don't like that. I don't like fantasy formats particularly. And this is just me talking. This is more highbrow discussion, but whatever. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 want somebody, I want a league that really mirrors the game more and mirrors the real value, artificially bumping up players like Billy Hamilton, who are under, you know, I would say very easily below average major league players and elevating them
1: to a status of where they actually have significant value is ridiculous. I 100% agree with that. It's like I love playing fantasy baseball because it is fake, but at the same time, you want it to resemble the game you're watching, and in doing so, it's not. As, so it so I, I totally agree. Like I'd rather have the setup guy, like a, a hater or some of these other monsters we've seen um, that have been really, really good. Yeah, Andrew them. Miller over the years. Yeah, that's, that's another exactly. one. Exactly. so many. But those guys really end up getting you know, more often than not, Bob, but they end up getting some saves. Well, look, look at look at Dylan Betances throughout the years. Now another guy that's right. in that mess in, in New York. Um, he's been like the leader in strikeouts, whip, ERA, like top five relievers in baseball just doesn't get saved. So, you know, he gets overlooked in almost all fantasy formats. I wonder now, saved. you know, it's funny. We're talking
2: about Lemayhew and then we're talking about Batances and then all these, you know, pieces that the Yankees have. You know, it starts to make you wonder if the, I've been saying this for months now and I feel like I'm just kind of alone. You know, that meme of the guy who stands alone in the rain. With the umbrella? <laughs> like, I feel like the, where I keep saying the Yankees are going to get in on Bryce Harper and all they have to do is put Andahar and some other pieces along with Stanton and get Stanton to agree to it. Yep. And then Harper's really the guy that they want and they've got to put some really likable pieces, young pieces that are helpful along with Stanton to make that work, whether it be an Andohar or Torres or whatever. So, uh, you know, when they start adding more pieces like Otavino, it, it makes my conspiracy theories to continue to turn in my head and wonder, well, is this another thing where Batanzas now
1: becomes possibly movable, you know, in a deal? totally because every time the yankees have made a move this offseason it's like okay that's the last move because they got to go get harper and they make another move now they're out on harper but then they go make another move and it's like eventually like we already said there's there's a surplus of talent there you have to imagine when they made that stanton trade now looking back on it they're really regretting that thing because of all that money they they're getting held up on when they
2: no i mean look it it, it thrust them into relevance and, and certainly I don't think anybody can deny it It helped the development of Aaron judge tremendously. True. So, you know, for all the negatives there, there's some pluses too, but yeah, I mean, now you're kind of in the spot where do you want to throw a bunch of money at Mike Trout in a couple of years or, or Harper right now? And, or Machado. And I think the answer is yes. It's just a matter of that's the contract. Now that's hanging them up from doing that, unless they want to go back to those old school days of being over the cap, which they don't seem to want to.
1: That's what I was telling, I I tweeted it out like a week or two ago. I said, if if George Steinbrenner was still alive, Harper and Machado would both be wearing pinstrikes right now. Oh, 100%. He'd say, screw the goddamn cap. We're going. Right. Right. And, uh, you
2: know, and you look every year about the top teams in baseball. They're all the top salaries for the most part in terms of budget.
1: Coincidence. All
2: the top payrolls. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, you can win other ways. It's possible. I mean, Houston's been very good and, you know, but they've had a payroll over the years too. And, You've seen the Royals go have a run, but the problem is you can't sustain a run without that's real payroll commitment. And you know what? You talked about Adavino too, Baba. When you're, you know, yeah. only getting twenty seven, I think there's compression in the market now. I think guys are looking, guys are starting to sign because it's getting closer and closer to February, and they don't have teams, and teams are getting a little bit more disciplined. And they're, you know, they're not throwing the money around that they were a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see the, uh, where this goes in two thousand twenty two, and we don't need to get into a whole strike debate because that's likely going to happen but there's a lot of factors gonna to have to change here when you know they're making 10.3 billion dollars in revenue and all these other things that even the smaller market teams they've already come out and said they all could sign guys for 25 to 30 million dollars a year it's all there they all have the money to do it they're just not doing it so there's gonna to have to be i don't know you can't never force anybody to spend money but there's got to be at least a floor put in maybe to go with the ceiling
2: well unless you want to finally move to a salary cap That'll you know, be and, the
1: best case scenario. I think. And
2: I think, I think it's long overdue for baseball.
1: And yeah. I mean, I've got a
2: lot of ideas. I just did a whole thing on all in sports about, you know, my concept for improving baseball. And I don't want to, you know, take too much time with this, but the long short of it is slim down the regular season and increase the playoffs because everybody loves a tournament in baseball. There's nothing more exciting than a tournament in baseball. And if you started it in freaking August, it would have so much juice because, you know, what's the what's going on in August? Nothing. Preseason football, whatever. Kids are home from school. Everybody's hanging out. Kids can stay up late and watch all these games. They could all of a sudden you know have these summer nights where they're staying up in August till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night watching these games. And, you know, the Little League World Series is super popular. Why? Because there's a vacuum. Where it's fun and it's a tournament and it means something and all the games are compressed and, and it's baseball and it's summer and baseball. We can go out and play baseball. The problem is when baseball at its peak now, NFL has become so popular that once you hit September, it's it's very difficult. Forget October. And if you would just trim that back and, and all of a sudden start a playoffs in August, I think that you would have a whole lot of a whole lot more eyes on the game again and a lot more excitement and building a new fan base who could actually watch the games.
1: 100% correct. It's a very good call. And we also wouldn't have meaningful playoff games in the snow in like November. So there's, there's a lot of things to think about there. So I like that a lot. Um, we could uh, rehash that again because like I can sit there and talk non fantasy baseball with people all day. All long. day, baby. All that's, day. That's that's my passion in life. But uh, let's go a little bit to first base here. We'll kind of fling it around a little bit. We're going to go off the top 10 in FBC, but it's just kind of as a, a free flowing forum. Uh, The top two guys going off the board right now are Paul Goldschmidt and Freddie Freeman. Paul going to St. Louis again in the offseason. You know, they're kind of 1A and 1B. They're both going around the same point in drafts right now. How do you look at Goldie and Freeman? Because Goldie doesn't run like he used to.
2: He doesn't. But, you know, I I also think when you look last year at the splits, the humidor kind of hurt him a little bit. And um, uh, Goldschmidt, for his career outside of that building, is still a career 300, 400, 500 player. So when you have a three four five slash, that's an el- that is elite of the elite. I think only three guys had it last year. Okay, so this is still a player who's really good. He yeah, I'm, I'm in a NFC style draft right now, slow draft, and he went in the mid second round. He almost made it back to me at uh, <clears throat> second round, and I had the eighth overall pick right in the middle, pretty much. And I was shocked that he. I mean, if you made it to me, I would have picked him easily, no without a doubt a He might not run as much. He's still going to steal you some bases but here's the most telling thing. And maybe this is a little outside the box too, but you know, he didn't get his number. Did you notice that he's not wearing 44. And I thought that was the greatest signal of, well, maybe I'm here temporarily. Maybe I'm not, but you know, the fact that he didn't go and buy the number from the guy or do whatever. I thought that sent quite a message. If Paul Goldschmidt sees what's ahead of him Mm -hmm. and sees a payday. And I think elite players, when they get an opportunity, they're playing in a, he's playing in a great spot. He's, he's got, it's a good team around him for the most part. It's a city that is loves baseball and is going to support him like crazy. And I think it's a great landing spot for Goldschmidt. If he can't be in Arizona in a good hitter environment, then he's in a good environment, period.
1: And I'm wholeheartedly buying in on him as the best first baseman easily. Yeah, he's definitely tops for me as well. Uh, you throw him in St. Louis in you know, the summertime, it's nice and warm and the ball does fly out of there. You put him in a much better lineup with you know Carpenter, Oz- uh Ozuna and company around him. There, there's a lot to like there with him going to St. Louis. I, I definitely agree with that. And you mentioned free agent season. There, there's a we've seen that work out very well for some guys in the past. So I don't mind that at all. You've Got Freeman number two, but then he drops down and it gets interesting. Uh, like three, four, five-ish. Right now they have Rizzo, Bellinger, Votto. Bellinger is a whole other discussion on itself, but um, Rizzo and Votto. I want to kind of mention them because they're always perennial, perennial. Like top five guys, but they've kind of fallen off a little bit here. Votto's going pick seventy seven. Um, how do you look at Rizzo and Votto coming into the draft?
2: Uh, well, you know it's funny. Votto from is another guy. Votto fell way too far in this draft. I'm in, and it's an OBP league, and oh, wow. I, I, I'm I'm just so over everybody now. Look, Joey Votto had twenty nine home runs back to back years. Joey Votto is, you know, an on base machine. He's a, he's a great player. I understand he's that he's thirty five now. Mm-hmm. But I mean that team is really good. Suarez and and, and now you have Puig and Kemp and Gannett's there and uh, I mean it, and you get if Jesse Winker is you know continues to develop that's, that's the Reds might be a really sneaky team if they could get some pitching there. I mean they were no that's the that's the problem. You know they they kept the glaciers, which was smart, but Votto is number two in the Black Book and it's because what the Black Book does is it takes in not just projections, you know, cause that's not enough to go off. It takes three averages and the previous season. So when you, when you factor that in, you know, it's, it's, it gives Votto more respect and respect that I think he deserves. So as good as Freeman is, you know, Freeman's power ceiling has been limited in his career. Let's be honest. he's never quite fulfilled that, that, Oh my God, what a, what an amazing Freddie Freeman. He's had a lot of really good seasons, but I mean, I'm waiting for that season where you go, Oh my God, he's the best player in the league. And you know Joey Votto is 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 a guy that you're good either way with any of them. Uh, Rizzo is a hell of a player too, very consistent. But I you know especially in OBP leagues, I would lean towards Votto. I really would because I think he bounces back in a big way this year. I think last year you just kind of sometimes guys have down years and they get it mentally it, it you know straps them a little bit, and or an injury that they're hiding or whatever it is, and then you turn around and you just throw it out the window. It's kind of like what I'm doing with Carlos Correa. I'm just taking it, crumpling it up, and throwing it out the window.
1: Yeah, I liked your takes on critics. That's one I've been preaching since like the end of the baseball season. I said, if you guys ever ever had a back injury, you tell me what it's like oh, to play wait. baseball with a back injury. Oh, like, it's horrendous. Yeah. Any uh, sort of
2: back I mean, you know, Chris, I mean, uh, Matt Carpenter couldn't move a couple yeah, of years ago.
1: Exactly. You know, they, Todd Helton killed play. his career. Todd Helton's the last couple of years of Todd Helton was like a shell of what he was. Exactly. Because of the back. So, yeah, I'll I'll definitely give him a pass on that one. Uh, but Joey Votto, I agree. I, I'm shocked every time I, I start writing something or get ready for a podcast, I still see he's going like 78th overall in drafts. I, I just don't understand what people are seeing. Uh, let me ask you about Cody Bellinger because this is a guy I was down on for where his draft stock was yeah. last year, and I'm still down on it this year. He's at pick 47, and sure he runs, and the power, you know, he'll probably be better than last year. That's what everyone's telling you, but – the kid still has a lot of swing and miss in there, but he's still a kid, so there's room for improvement. How do you look at Cody Bellinger coming in cuz it's quite the price tag? It you know what? it, it is, it's it's a little bit better.
2: It, when you go back and and I'm very big on splits, so when you buy the black book, I give you a lot of splits in there. Home road, lefty righty, first that and like, second that sounds half. Sounds like
1: a DFS mind right there.
2: Well, you know, well, it is, but you know, that's how you really value yeah. and and you'll see in the in the pro player profiles, you'll see stuff like this guy is better suited for DFS or this guy is a, is a better season long roto investment than a head to head format of any kind kind of player. And it's, and it, what it does is it, it really digs in and targets guys and formats because a lot of times format dictates the value of the player more than the player's talent dictates the value of the player. And Bellinger, I think is one of those cases too, where you have to be careful what format you're playing in because, He's been a bit streaky now. A couple years ago, he's got swing and miss, but he's got massive power. But that's kind of where we're at in baseball. Um, I think that I give him a little bit of a pass because I think there's another kid who had a bad stretch and started pressing. And then he came out of it. And then he was better for a a good stretch there. So I would buy back in on Bellinger, but I would be – I'll put it to you this way. I would want – have a team that's built on some solid foundation, I wouldn't want to have a bunch of question marks. You know, I would. I wouldn't start my team with Trey Turner and then like another question mark guy and then Bellinger, if that makes sense. Like that, that's not really where I want to go. It's like not my kind of team. You, you're, you're giving me somebody, you know, Nolan Arenado right. <laughs> and then Bellinger a couple rounds later. I'm like, all right, I can get behind that because there's a little risk, but there's
1: reward as well. Yeah, you don't want to take Alberto Mondesi and then jump on Cody. Bellinger. Alberto, God boy, <laughs> everybody loves that guy. Yeah, I see the reasons to love him,
2: but by God, by God (laughs) again, format. But by God, but if you're in head-to-head roto categories, that's the kind of guy. Right, he's the kind of guy that's going to pop some home runs and steal a crap ton of bases, and the next thing you know, he's even if he, you know, his on base is under three hundred, <laughs> like yeah. he still becomes a useful player. And that's again what makes me furious about those formats, which is why I won't play them. I just like, you know, season long roto, I gotta play because it's industry standard and blah blah blah. But head to head roto categories, nope. I I finally made a commitment to myself last year. I was not going to do it anymore. I hate
1: it. I don't care if anyone invites me. I can't do head-to-head. I I I I do it at the head-to-head
2: points I do all day long. My home league has been that, and and that is great. And we actually do all play. So every week you play every team. It's a 16 team points league. And what's fun about that is even if you can have a great week and you can, you know, you 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 know, there's nothing worse as like NFL. Like you have that you have that week where you're like, Well, yeah, I have the second most points in the league this week, but I first. was playing the team with the first, right. So what this does is like, well, if I'm playing 15 games, maybe I go 13 and two this week,
1: That's cool, you know,
2: and it really does reward those teams that have more consistent rosters that are producing, but it's all the fun of setting a lineup head to head and understanding I've got to play for this week. You know, I'm not just playing the long game all the time. You know, you know, I'm, I'm leaving spots vacant, you know, like I've done in tout wars. I've left catcher vacant for weeks at a time. If I
1: didn't like a second catcher to put in there because I'd rather get nothing than negative. No, that's a very valuable point. I've mentioned that before, especially in two-catcher formats. Sometimes it's better to have the guy play on the bench than the guy playing in the lineup. Just remember that. Um, let's talk about another first baseman here. He is in St. Louis. He'll be playing third base this year most likely. He's corner eligible. He is Matt Salsa Carpenter. Um, coming off an insane year, I was digging into him the other day, career high in homers and many other stats. A lot of the peripheral stats and X stats, whenever you want to go into – they all believe in it, but yeah, you believe in it. <laughs>
2: this, is, this is a hard. This is this is one I struggle with this too because this, I, I,
1: this is why I dove into them. I'm I do all to the profiles on in infielders, dude, oh and, and
2: and I'm with you. It's like God. Every 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 number suggests it's all legit, and there's something about it that I just can't buy. I, I guess here's here's my here's my point. It's I don't think it gets better than that. I really exactly. don't. I Agreed. think that's the pinnacle. So. Even I think at its best, it's not a repeat season. It's probably 85% of it, maybe 90. And I think you just got to be careful of what you're paying for it. That's all. And and this is a guy with a back issue over time too. So there's more risk in there than I think people realize. But so far in early drafts, I've seen people – have it bought in from like they're not buying it at last year's price from what i've seen and i think that that's why <laughs> yeah, that's a, is that the most political answer i can give you because i'm going to go run for congress now i think
1: it's well, <laughs> good Good luck they're closed um but,
2: uh, <laughs> well no they're open everything else is closed <laughs>
1: that's true that's true um you know you got they got Carpenter going a few picks ahead of Votto I'm assuming you'd like Votto over Carp especially OBP but oh, 100% yeah. yeah
2: well okay. I mean Votto's got a longer track record of yes. of being a topped guy Carpenter's a very nice player and and I I'll tell you what you know over time he's he's shown you he can he can give up batting average for power he's he's a professional hitter and the first time I remember seeing that Carpenter I thought of Wade Boggs. I, I he was like some guy that was like what Hit in my head it was like, okay. this guy is a professional hitter. And I always thought Wade Boggs could have hit more home runs if he was asked to, but he didn't, he wasn't. And it was a different style game. But if Wade Boggs played today, he would have hit a lot more home runs. And I, I think he's that style of professional hitter that he can change what he does and to, to whatever the team needs. And I always think, you know, professional hitters are great. Victor Martinez, professional hitter, you know, those, those kind of guys don't grow on trees. They're a special breed. But I don't want to. I don't want to pay the twenty eighteen price. I don't want to pay the you know Game of Thrones reference. I don't want to pay the iron price for uh, for
1: Matt Carpenter. How's that? There you go. So I don't know if he's a Lannister. I don't think he always. Pays <laughs> so, um, the one thing with, with Carpenter, we'll move on that stood out to me the most. The kind of biggest outlier of all the stats is he his he got shifted on almost 85% of the time last year, seventh most in baseball compared to like years past 60, 65%. So I'm wondering with Goldschmidt now hitting behind him, where he doesn't really have to do it all himself. If he goes back to his, I'm going to hit three forty and slap it to the left side and just get on base to score runs. I'm curious to see if we see more of that this year, or or if he buys into what you said with like Cody Bellinger and everything, does he live in the era of baseball where we just grip it and rip it? And that's going to be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. And look, uh, you know, when, well, I think whenever you're evaluating first baseman, whether it's be, you know, Hayes a guy like Jesus Aguilar was a guy for me last year who in last year's black book, I said, this is going to be a guy I own everywhere. Cause I remember him in Cleveland and I remember being high on him in that system because he was an RBI machine. And I said, all he needs is an opportunity and he could drive in. 90 runs and be a very productive player. And he's going to cost you nothing. Now I didn't expect the season he gave me. I was very pleased with that season, you know, and and it, it even outperformed my expectations and my expectations were very high. And I had a lot of shares of Aguilar last year, so it was a good year, but you know, that's another thing where, what do you want to pay for? you know, do you want to pay that price? I don't think so. I don't think I want to pay that price, but I still haven't seen yet that people are buying into that level where, they're going crazy for him because I think this is a guy that snuck up on a lot of people, but this is something where, you know, I think Bubba, guys like Aguilar and, and, maybe, you know, maybe even to a lesser extent, Olsen, if you play in deeper leagues and you're following prospects, you have a little bit different knowledge and you, you know, you watch them play or you watch video and highlights of them and you get a sense of who they are. And I like to do that. You know, for me, it's not about looking at their numbers at all. It, you know, it's looking at their numbers plus watching them play. And that's why, oh gosh, who was the other guy in that system? Bradley, Bobby Bradley, right, from yes, the Indians? Yes, Bradley, you know, yeah. I look at Bobby Bradley, and I was like, well, there's a fine, strong man who can hit the ball a mile, but he can't hit the ball consistently. And give me Aguilar all the time. And they made a choice at one time, and they were like, you know what, we're going to move on with Aguilar. And where's Bobby Bradley? <laughs> Bagging <of> groceries. <laughs> right, Bobby I mean, just saying, and, and it's funny because Aguilar was a guy who did, you know, maybe didn't have the, quite the power. But, you know, all of a sudden he ends up in Milwaukee, a very home run friendly environment. Just ask Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun all these years. And then all of a sudden, you know, he becomes an everyday player and he becomes an RBI machine. Well, no, duh. That's what he did his entire career in the minor leagues.
1: Yeah. No, I, I dig that a lot. Um, so you, you do like Hasty Aguilar, maybe not so much as his price. I do.
2: I, well, I, I like him and I I think it's fine. I don't want to overpay for him I and, agree with that.
1: and guys like, you
2: know, I know you got a brave on this list too. And that's a guy yeah. that perennially I was always super high on. Yeah. He was like the exact, I mean, you talk about like the, the, they're
1: almost spitting images of each other. It's
2: amazing. And I love <laughs> it. I mean, give me a guy that hits lefties and righties hits in the first half, hits in the second half hits home, hits away uh gets on base scores runs hits for power hits for average he does everything and he doesn't consistently he is so good in every format and you could just set it and forget it and last year he got hurt yeah. okay so what like i mean i mean so now he's crap like and i see him falling off the face of the earth and i will take
1: a over aguilar in a second thank you that was where i was go with that because <laughs> I, I, I i've been i've been trying to preach that it's like there, there, there's a point where I like to ch- take chances in drafts. There's also a nice point where you can get like your, your Nelson Cruz types, where it's, you know exactly what you're going to get, like plus or minus whatever five percent variable. I like, guess is your guy. Jose Abreu is that guy, and now yeah. he's got he's got a, a young team around him that's getting better. I, I think he might even. I'm not saying he's going to take a next step. He's actually older than people think, but I think he's got a big year ahead of him. I really do. And, you know, what if they go sign Machado or Harper and, like, you throw that in the lineup with him? Like, my goodness. Like, that's that that's outstanding. So I love Abreu, and I'm with you there because I've, I've been seeing this Jesus Aguilar love, and I get it. How can you not like the cuddly big bear there in Milwaukee? He's, he's, he's awesome. But Abreu, to me, just brings just so much just – you can kind of relax when you go take that. Say, like you said, you go take that Trey Turner start. Go take a Jose Abreu later. You feel a lot better about life.
2: Yeah. Uh, give, give me Jose Abreu. I'll tell you what, you know, it's funny too. Uh, I'm in the, gosh, it's 15 team league. I think this is the ninth round. I got to go look at it. Maybe it's the ninth or 10th round. I don't know. It's it's late. Let's put it that way. It's, it's getting late here in this draft. And I finally decided I'm going to take a shot on Miguel Cabrera. I'm just going to do it. Right. Uh, it was actually, what is it? No, I'm sorry. The 11th round. I'm it's like 15
1: team league, 15 yeah. team
2: leagues. Like, and it's an OBP league. So I'm like, look, you know, if you're going to let Miguel Cabrera slide around there all the way, I mean, if we don't talk about professional hitters, talk about all-world great guys. And Pitcher List just did a great article about Miguel Cabrera's season last year and how, you know, it was so short, but all of his, all of his deep stat numbers all project out to be another 300, 400, 500 season. And that's an elite player. That's People say, oh, you only hit, you only hit three home runs. Well, yeah, but there could have been that month where he hit 12 <laughs> you know, hey. and, it, and it averages out because that's baseball like you know like yes. you say and you know you just can't let players of that ilk i'll go down with that ship yep. before i go down with the max muncie ship uh, that's that's me
1: this is why joe's on the show folks that's are, why, this you is know this you is know give
2: me old asian skill is uh, well, uh, was it all oh, was it? the uh, youth and skill is no match for old age and treachery. That's it. That's my dad. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so, so, because you're talking about Hall of Famer, you're talking about all time great. It's the same thing when people left David Ortiz for dead and anyone came back and he hit like a back-to-back 30 home run seasons and was like brilliant driving a hundred runs and the Tigers are not a good team, nope. but, but Miguel Cabrera has a lot of respect for himself or Miguel Cabrera is another one of these all time great players. And I'm going to take a shot there with Miguel Cabrera in the 11th round of a 15 team league if you're going to in an OBP league no less where he could post a 400 OBP by himself and maybe he doesn't play you know maybe he plays 130 games or whatever but those 130 games are going to be quality stats
1: so I'll take it yeah I don't hate it at all pick 162 for a guy like at that oh, point in the draft God. at that point in the draft you should already have your your power kind of figured out he's going to supply you with a very quality average or OBP uh, he's going to drive in some like 80 plus rods, even if he's not the Miguel MVP, Miguel Cabrera. If he's 80 percent of that, which he, I think he definitely could be, I think that's still a phenomenal pick. He's a good corner infield option, a utility option, first base. If you just waited on it, like you said, there's a lot to like there. Like that's crazy. Dude, this whole team that I've drafted, I've just stuck with a the theme, which is
2: great talent that's being undervalued. And it, this is this is probably the most there's talent. So much
1: I've, of it early on. There's too.
2: so much of it. This is the roster. so I'll go through it. So the first one is I got Altuve at the eight slot. So yeah. right off the bat, there's a top five guy. In last year, last year
1: he was going second or third, in every and draft. every
2: and every year, and and again, I was just like I was a year early on Jose Ramirez last year in the black book, and I yep. said, look, I know you're gonna uh, make sure you get him early in the second round. He's gonna last there, but trust me, boys and girls, he is going to be worth a top five pick. And you, Bubba. If you would hear some of the hate and some of the people calling me idiot on Twitter and all this stuff, like you're nuts, you're crazy, you're overrating him. I'm like, people, no people do that on Twitter. Oh yeah, apparently. I said like, huh. him and Francisco Lindor are gonna be first round picks, top ten picks next year. Market and Inc. And, and, you know, it's fun. I got to take those profiles from last year's Black Book and I dropped them in this year's Black Book. And I just went, I just want everybody to know, While everybody else is on this bandwagon now. This is why the Black Book is the Black Book because we're a year ahead. How about last year, too, when we said that Garrett Cole was going to be, you know, he was on the same exact statistical track record as young Max Scherzer. Beautiful. This is the year he breaks out and he breaks out because he's also pitching in the back of a rotation or in the middle of a rotation that has Justin Verlander, just like Max Scherzer, where he doesn't have to be the guy. And we take that pressure away from the kid. All of a sudden he's going to blossom on top of which all the stats are trending in the right direction for his age. And wouldn't you know it? He became basically a Max Scherzer type pitcher last year. I mean, so much. yeah, I mean, and so this, just so, so the theme here, because you'll enjoy this. This is kind of where we're going. Second round. Again, you know, so this is pick 23 overall. Chris Bryant, another guy. You're giving me back to back brilliant seasons, and he has a down year because of an injury, and now he sucks. No, that's not how baseball works. Last time I checked, um, and I went back to back pitchers then with Noah Syndergaard and Madison
1: Bumgarner. And I and I went early with Bumgarner, but I I listened to your podcast this morning. Is there a bigger
2: money pitcher than Bumgarner? I don't know. know.
1: I, I've been getting yelled at just like you on this, and I'm telling people it's not even a homerism on my part. You give me a guy that's going to give you 180-plus innings, he's going to go battle for you. The ERA might not be as ideal as you want, but I could still see 3-5, and the guy is going to get you 160-plus the best plus money case. pitcher in
2: baseball. If there's a yep. game you have to win, you tell me who you want on the mound – I'm sorry. I want Bob Garner. I've watched it many, many times. I've seen, as a Mets fan, I watched it in person and beat Syndergaard. So I got him in Syndergaard, and I took a shot on Syndergaard, but I'm willing to take a shot with him because of the age and where he's at. And then we're talking about, and after that, we're going Corey Seager, another phenomenal talent. Uh, I ended up eventually getting Josh Donaldson in Whoa. the eighth round. Uh, okay. Brian Dozier, Will Myers. Uh, now just added Cabrera. I mean, I'm looking at this team, and I'm thinking to myself, okay. All of these guys at one point in time were first, second, or third round picks yeah. in the last five years. And, and that's the thing. When you start looking at this draft, you, all these guys because of either injury or a down season or whatever it is, these once highly valued players are being tossed aside for, I'm not, no, no slight on, on guys like Soto. He's a great player, but we're putting the cart before the horse. With a, I mean, Acuna is great. No one's a bigger Acuna guy than I am. And I'll be happy to take him in the first round. But this thing where all of a sudden these guys are useless, I'm not buying that narrative at all. Give me this proven major league talent that's done it not one but multiple seasons at a discount, and I'm going to roll over you in a league. And that's, I think, what everybody needs to realize right now.
1: No, I love that. I love your strategy. We uh, think a lot alike. Hopefully we're not in the we same do. league. That's because we played. The,
2: we, you know we should do? We should go in on a team together someday. That'd be fun. We
1: definitely Maturation should one of these deals. things. Because we have a lot of very similar philosophies here, so this could be a really, really interesting here. I've always been scared to share a team with people because it's hard to find the matching philosophies. But It is. Uh, it's very I, hard. But uh, another top 10 guy, the last top 10 guy I want to ask you about here, you mentioned him briefly, Matt Olson. Um, I've been on the Matt Olson bandwagon since he's been in the minors. I recommended him as a dynasty stash when he started coming up. I've been on this guy left and right. I have him ranked, uh, I believe, sixth in my first base ranking. Is I think he just continues to develop and be very, very good. And you get him about pick one ten. What's your thoughts on Matt Olson? If I'm crazy, let me know. But what's your thoughts on him?
2: No, I, I like Olson a lot, and Olson's one of these guys too where I was suspicious. I'm always, <laughs> yeah. There's certain guys that I'm like Carpenter. I was suspicious too.
1: And oh, he's Carpenter, like, I, mean, I dropped last year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Olson's a guy too. As you start to look, you know. Um, he hits he is who he is. Yep. Now there's things about his game that that still need work, but when you look at a guy like Olson, he hits 250 against lefties and righties. Okay. Uh he still strikes out too much, but the power is legit. It's not, it's not facetious power at all. It's not something that's gonna disappear. He always had prodigious power in the minor league, so that's not something that's going away. Um, his batting average is gonna underwhelm, but it's consistent. So at least you know the player he is, and he's still at an age where. There's opportunity at 25, 26 years old for him to make adjustments and maybe get a little bit better in pitch selection, maybe walk a little bit more and strike out less. Um, Trevor Story was a guy for years. People wanted, And I kept saying, I'll believe it when I see it. Finally, I saw it last year, but he struck out way too much and, and his splits were way too stark in terms of productivity. I look at a guy like Olson. I don't love the home ballpark. There's a lot of negatives there, but... Olson is who he is, and I think the value of Olson and where you're getting him in drafts is terrific. I mean, he's lasting to that that you know mid to late first base category there, and I think he is. I'll tell you what, I think he's a safer investment than Cody Bellinger. I'll be I honest with
1: it. you. And I said, I'll take him over Cody Bellinger, and and, he's, and,
2: he, and I have him ahead of him in the RPV rankings. Yep um and, and it's funny it's <laughs> he's also ahead of carpenter and because <laughs> i I know what that's that's another thing that's gonna catch a lot of slack people say why and i'm like
1: well he's got back issues and he had 230 against lefties that's why <laughs> like, and, and, you know, and for those that believe in the prime years of baseball matt Olson's just starting to get towards those where matt carpenter is starting to go more towards the sunset there's a big you know there, there's there's a great uh somebody did this
2: uh it's a i don't know if you've read this book but it's it's a great read if you're into reading books Uh, JC Bradbury, who's a sports economist, he wrote a book a couple years ago called hot stove economics. It is a great read and it goes into depth about so many things. And if you're a a real baseball person, you know, somebody who played the game, loves fantasy, all these things. It's a really great read. And he targets, he says, there's a fallacy there that uh, players break out at the season of 26, 27. He said, that's not true. He said, that's actually the median age of most baseball players. So it seems as though they're breaking out. Um, yeah. But really a player's most productive years are between age 29 and 31. Yeah. And he did a whole statistical profile about it. And it is fascinating. And I've since, you know, because I'm not above stealing something, I have stolen it. And I, and I, you know, give it credit <laughs> over the years, but that's the thing. You know, people sometimes see these guys at 26 and they buy in. And I was like, no, buy it on the 29, 30, 31 year old. Those are the guys that this is their best. And that's why, Guys like Strasburg, I hate because when they're supposed to be the most productive, they're still getting hurt and missing time and driving you crazy. Well, A,
1: I wrote down that book. So I'll go order that on Amazon after I order the black Yeah, book Hot Stove the Economics.
2: There you go. Well, hot Stove Economics. It's a great, it's a baseball, baseball nerds read. But it's, and it's not, it's not too dense either. Like it's, and it's a couple years old. I don't know if he's updated it, but, you know, discussing salary structures and things like we were talking about too. It's, it's a fascinating read.
1: He's a great, great writer. It's funny he says that because whenever I do a first year dynasty draft, I always try to get guys that are 27, 28, or 29 years old. That's always my yeah. wheelhouse. So. And it's funny,
2: you see everybody else trying to get guys who are 21, 22, 23, yeah. and their teams, they might, a couple of them might hit, but they continuously spin their wheels because they don't have enough real time stats and productivity on the rosters to be competitive yeah. every year.
1: Exactly. The one Uh, thing that
2: generates every year is young talent. Every year you got a fresh pool of it and all those guys are going to be overvalued and some of them would be worth it and some won't. But the thing that doesn't cycle every year is proven major
1: league talent. That's hard to find. Totally agree. A couple of last questions for you. When you, you, you mentioned Olsen kind of finishes off the top rung of first baseman. We've already mentioned Miguel Cabrera, any other kind of later round targets you're looking at? Because when you navigate the first base feel it's not, doesn't feel as deep as it used to depending uh, on kind of your viewpoint. <laughs> so, um, it's not. I mean, yeah, it's just it's flat out ugly. not. So uh, and,
2: at? Uh, Carlos Santana, if he qualifies there in your league, obviously that's a yeah. guy that uh, I think it's underappreciated. Uh, OBP leagues, obviously a bit better there. Uh, CJ Crone had a really good year. And two years ago, I was very much on CJ Crone and then he got hurt. And I was bummed because I was like, you know, he is right there. He's right on the precipice. And then last year I just, I wanted to buy back in. I just didn't work out. It wasn't the, like I was avoiding him. I just didn't have the shares, but I had a ton of them two years ago. And of course last year, you know, he broke out and it's funny. It was at age 29. Isn't that nuts? Wow, uh, we- but yeah, huh? uh, another yo- uh, guy too is uh smoke. Justin yes, smoke. Yes. I think is a player, I know a couple years ago, he had a huge year and then he didn't quite match that, but, To me, it wasn't a disappointment. He's still got some power. He's still a, you know, give me a 25, 75 corner infield guy. That's fine. Smoke can fill that. I mean, I think that's that's decent. Uh, There's a lot of landmines, the Brandon belts of the world that I don't like. But uh, if I'm going to take a chance on a young kid, I do believe that uh, Peter Alonso is the real deal as a hitter. Now, defensively, he's had some questions, but as a hitter, um. If finally, the Mets have a player, an everyday player of note that they can plug in there for the next, you know, seven eight years, and start to build around. Because I think Alonso's that guy.
1: And that was my last question for you. <laughs> oh, was with, it nice? <laughs> with, uh, no, this is why you're a pro, um, you're right, baby? And it wasn't even on the outline. That's what's amazing. Um, you know, what? As Synergy. a as a Mets fan, yes. It's very significant. Uh, don't remind me of you these.
2: Know,
1: oh. Hey, I'm a Giants fan. It sucks too, okay? Yeah, well, um. you've
2: won something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we you got had an every other year stretch. It was pretty decent, Bubba. We I was spoiled. eight years old the last time the Mets won. So yeah.
1: keep that in but, mind. But
2: go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Buckner. <laughs> um. Rosario sucks. That's the, that's my yeah.
1: answer. <laughs> what like originally before they started making Some of these moves, it seemed like Alonzo should be up real quick to start the season. Now, what do you see the Mets doing with Alonzo? Because I agree, he's a a masher, should be a fantasy asset. (laughs) He's not playing. The
2: the cheap Mets are going to start him after Super 2. Uh, There's no doubt that the cheap Mets are going to do that. Because, you know, it's not like they play in the biggest media market in the world. It's not like we couldn't possibly buy out another year of arbitration and and make an offer to it. I mean, God forbid. We do something like that because we play in New York and have our own TV network. See, you've you've unleashed the rage, and this, this is happening. This
1: is why I asked it last. You knew it.
2: You knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in such a good mood. to you No, know, but they're they're absolutely going to wait. What? Uh, here's here's for whatever it's worth. Here's my theory: of what's going to happen? You sign Lowry to play third base. Frazier's going to play first base. When Alonzo finally comes up after Super Two, Alonzo will play first pretty much every day. Frazier will kind of be like a super utility guy. He'll play a little third. Uh, Lowry will move and, you know, give Cano a day off or give Rosario a day off. It gives them flexibility. And what I like that Van Wagenen has done so far in the Mets offseason is he's brought in a little bit more quad A or even low minor, you know, low major league talent, which is something this 40-man roster has been bereft of for years. Uh, even if it's guys like Keon Broxton, who they, look, Keon Broxon could have a hot week or two and help you out. Mm-hmm if you're the New York Mets, when you have an injury, every time they've had injuries and they, everybody hasn't, but they've had a lot their their, their war <laughs> replacement guy is just so far beneath. And, and McNeil's another guy too. He's going to move around and I know everybody loves Jeff McNeil, but you know, it's let's let's calm down with that too but, we'll let's, let's be
1: real before he came up last year no one knew he was even no one annoyed. knew him right
2: exactly <laughs> I, mean, I mean i'm still i'm still annoyed that we didn't trade Lasting's millage for manny ramirez like that that that's last the, from the
1: past last yeah thing that millage.
2: I, you know that's that's how deep my rage goes okay so because because oh, manny oh, ramirez boy. wouldn't have won us a title but you know last massive millage was the future
1: Last oh, that's village. great. That's really great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a name for you. And that. there's My your mind.
2: there's your answer, everybody, of why you should always deal prospects for proven of major talent. There you go. Yeah. I'm gonna leave you with that. Last things. Hashtag.
1: Last villain. <laughs> Hashtag last. is absolutely absolute. I can still see his dreadlocks as you mention it. Guys um, who will
2: never trend on Twitter for a thousand.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Last. Uh, he'll he'll be the only guy that searches that today and goes, "What the hell?"
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> there he is. Every morning he gets
1: up and he, and he searches himself on the internet. No one's talking about me. No again, day number seven thousand four hundred fifty-five. Right, exactly. Um, all right, Joe. Let's wrap that up. Uh, watch everybody know once again. Black book all in sports, everything you got going on, where can they find you? Sign up all that good stuff.
2: Uh, absolutely. Well, obviously 2019 fantasy baseball black book is on Amazon. Uh, you can get it paperback, which most people like. And I print it on the paper that you can write on and highlight. Cause I know people like that kind of stuff as opposed to that dopey magazine paper. Which you can't do that with, cause I know smart, people you like smart. see that. So yeah. that's fun. If you get the paperback, it's also there for Kindle, Uh, You can get it right now with the Kindle for iPad app for free as well. That's a free app, not the book. (laughs) 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 No, no, but the app is free. It will be on iTunes, I believe, uh, either tomorrow or the beginning of next week. I'm just waiting for approval there because Apple takes forever. But if you can't wait, you got to have it this weekend. Get that Kindle app on your iPad or whatever iTunes device you want to use. But paperback seems to be the most popular choice. Uh, you can listen to the fantasy black book. Uh, that's everywhere. You can listen the stitcher uh, iTunes. iHeartRadio, all over the place. Also all in sports on Patreon. It's a sports show with fantasy tweaks. It's me. It's Jake Seeley and Chris Meany. Uh, we get some great discussions there and we talk fantasy, but we talk sports and, you know, talk about Jake's dating life and all the other fun stuff or lack of. Uh, so that's always fun. And uh, also in this ring, if you're a wrestling fan, I host in this ring podcast, with Tim Heaney and uh we're rabid wrestling fans and we cover everything from the indies to WWE. So uh so that's it. I wanna thank you for having me on the show, man. It's it's great talking sports with you. I told you last time how much I enjoy it and uh I appreciate. and anytime you want to have me back, please just holler at me, man. I'm I'm in.
1: Yeah, we will. I, I could sit and talk to you about like, like all kinds of different deals. We can, should have
2: a beer next time. That's the problem. We 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 need to do one of these live with a couple beers and then tell everybody what they re- what we really think of lasting smell.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you can go lasting smell. I could talk about all kinds of guys. We could have some fun with it. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll definitely do it again. There's no question about that. But everybody, go check out the black book, the um, the podcast, the book, all of it. Good guys that we all like and know. And the all-in sports guys are hilarious. It gets uh, kind of a, a good little product that it gets you away from everything. But uh, on Twitter, at Joe Piece PS17, Joe, thanks for joining me yet again. Um, everybody else is bench with Bubba, episode one thirty-eight, fantasy baseball first base preview. Catch you guys later.